You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. The Future of Pharmacy Podcast is brought to you by OmniCell. Now here's our host, Ken Perez. Welcome to the Future of Pharmacy Podcast. I'm Ken Perez, Vice President of Healthcare Policy for OmniCell, and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us on our premier episode of the Future of Pharmacy Podcast, where we showcase the achievements of the people and technologies on the leading edge of medication management. We're very excited that you found us, and we'd love it if you would subscribe to our monthly podcast. Today's topic is one that I'm very passionate about, the autonomous pharmacy, and what it means for the future of medication management. Every day, the healthcare industry is facing new challenges while trying to deliver quality patient care. The stress of managing more complex systems in the face of higher expectations continues to grow. A recent study from the National Academy of Medicine reports that up to 54% of clinicians are reporting some level of burnout. And that study was conducted before the coronavirus pandemic. The autonomous pharmacy is intended to simplify medication management and enable pharmacists and other clinicians to practice at the top of their licenses. Joining me today are two experts on the subject and in fact, two founding contributors to the Autonomous Pharmacy. First, Jennifer Tryon, Associate Vice President and Chief Pharmacy Officer of Wake Forest Baptist Health and Chair of the Autonomous Pharmacy Advisory Board. Jen, welcome to the program. Hello, I'm Jen Tryon. I'm the Chief Pharmacy Officer at Wake Forest Baptist Health, and I am in Winston-Salem, North Carolina today. And we also have Jim Stevenson, Vice President of Medication System Strategy for OmniCell. Jim, thanks for joining us. So Jim, when it comes to clinician burnout rates, how does that relate to the challenges health systems face with the medication use process? Well, Ken, as you know, I've spent most of my career as a director of pharmacy and chief pharmacy officer uh, within academic medical centers. And every year that goes by, I'm amazed at the growing complexity of the medication use process and all the systems that need to be managed appropriately in order to get the outcomes that we're striving for. And, you know, I think we all recognize that there's just growing pressure on those in the healthcare setting to deliver high quality care while at the same time reduce costs, improve efficiency, And there's a growing amount of regulatory requirements that have to be managed. And and that just really, I think, puts a lot of stress on the individuals that are charged with really holding this system together and and getting the, the type of performance that's needed. And I think we all recognize that our current systems are really fraught with many different problems uh, and deficiencies. Despite the fact that we've uh, implemented lots of new technology, we're still highly reliant on human workflows and manual processes in many cases. And you know these human workflows, these manual processes, these touch points, all are sources of medication errors. And they're also 
opportunities for things like drug diversion and they, they lead to inefficiencies uh, in the process. Um, so, you know, the, I think the people that are currently managing the medication use process, and I'm talking about pharmacists and nurses and physicians and all the different stakeholders, um, they really have to work very hard in order to make this, this process work, which is why the autonomous pharmacy vision, I think, is so appealing. Um, and, you know, I, I think many of us, I was around for when the uh, IOM report came out about uh, to air as human, and um, many, it spurred many of us to uh, put in place um, new technological solutions like CPOE and barcode med administration. And the expectation was that by putting in this technology, we'd eliminate errors. And here we are, what, 20 years later, and we've made some progress here, but there's certainly lots of errors that are still occurring, lots of deficiencies in our process. And in some cases, um, we recognize that the addition of technology has actually created new opportunities for errors. And a lot of it has to do with the lack of integration of the various systems that we're using to manage this. Um, and at the same time, all this is happening, we're continuing to spend more and more on medications. I think the last estimate I saw showed that last year we spent over $500 billion uh, on medications in the US. And despite that investment, um, we, we really still have a lot of um, outcomes that are just not where we'd like them to be. We have errors, we have inefficiencies, we have regulatory problems. Uh, we know that probably 30 to 35% of hospital readmissions are uh, medication related and, and many of those are preventable. So there are still lots of problems in the medication use uh, process that need to be addressed either through technology or having better technology that can free up pharmacist time to really focus on some of those things that aren't being done well today. Well, Jim, thanks for painting the landscape of all the challenges that are uh, part of the medication management process. So I was going to ask Jen here, what, are, what do you think are some of the root causes of these challenges that Jim has uh, so well articulated? I think there's probably uh, quite a few root causes and reasons that contribute to the suboptimal outcomes that, that Jim has nicely described here for us. But one that, that really comes to mind is the lack of integration and interoperability of our systems and our technology that comes, um, th that's implemented throughout our medication use process today. And what we've actually found is that as we've incorporated more technology, more systems, uh, if those systems are not integrated, it actually creates um, a situation where we have greater problems and we're often adding more people to try to manage the, the technology that we're introducing along the med use continuum today. And so uh, overall, I think we find within our organization that you know, our people are trying to do the right thing. They're spending a lot of time trying to get the computer systems to work the way they're intended and the automation to do what it's supposed to do. Um, but it's labor intensive and it can be frustrating. It can cause a lot of stress for our people and it doesn't let them 
utilize the skill sets that they have uh, trained in and, and that they're able to utilize. Um, it, it really has them connected to uh, technology and computers in a way that I, I don't think is intentional. It's certainly not optimized. And so we're, we're, we find ourselves in a place where our systems could be uh, a, a lot more assistive and supportive of uh, our, our med use processes. Um, some of the data from a recent ASHP survey on the pharmacy workforce within hospitals shows that pharmacists spend only about a quarter of their time on what is defined as clinical activities, which is an area where we can have some of the greatest impact in helping our patients achieve their health outcomes. And instead, we find that they're spending um, more than half of their time, um, you know, working on the drug distribution processes and, and trying to get things to work in a seamless way from a patient perspective, but it, it just takes a lot of manual labor. So um, I think the other, the other piece with this data that's, that's really eye-opening for me is that the percentages that I've just shared with you haven't changed much over time. Um, they've, they've been pretty consistent throughout the years. And so we know there's opportunities for improvement. And that's what the Autonomous Pharmacy Advisory Board has been thinking about and uh, working toward. Well, thanks, Jen. And we are gonna talk about those opportunities for improvement. Jim, now that we've sorted out the challenges, let's talk about how to meet those challenges. First, how do you define the autonomous pharmacy? Yeah, thanks, Ken. Maybe I could follow up a little bit on um, some things that, that Jen just said, because I think they were really important about the, the problems with our systems being so disconnected and lacking integration. Um, one of the things I did when I was chief pharmacy officer at the University of Michigan was I had um, one of our staff go through and, and make me a list of all the different systems that we had to support in order to make our medication use process work. And I was shocked when he came back with that to me because what I found was there were 56 different systems that we had to support and maintain in order to, to allow our medication use process to work. And those 56 uh, systems, you can imagine, um, very few of them talked to each other. So again, it was this very manual human effort uh, to make things work. So to get back to your question, I think it, the vision that I have of, of an autonomous pharmacy means being able to really connect all the uh, automation and the data that's out there. You know, often we talk about our, our industry being um, data rich, but information poor. It's hard for us to get that data and use it um, in a very productive way. So, so it really means connecting the automation, the, the making things less manual, and really being able to pull data together and use those data to improve safety, efficiency, financial performance, uh, and regulatory compliance, to, to name a few. And by doing that in, an, in a much more integrated way, um, that should allow healthcare workers like pharmacists, nurses, and others to really realize the full scope of, of why they went into to healthcare, and that's to help patients get the best outcomes. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, I mentioned data. Uh, one of the things that I think we really need to move towards is a, 
a much more advanced approached approach to data analytics where we're able to be much more predictive and prescriptive in the analytics rather than uh, you know right now to get information about how our systems are working or what needs to be adjusted we generally have to go someplace pull data evaluate it and it's always retrospective data it's looking backwards it's not predicting the future and so to me getting to an autonomous pharmacy being means being able to get to a system that is very integrated uh, minimizes human touches in the system and allows us to use data in a much more effective way to um, prevent problems from ha happening rather than from reacting to problems. Well, that's certainly an inspiring vision, Jim. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Jan, I wanted to ask you the same question. How do you define the autonomous pharmacy? I think about it in terms of, you know, when I think about our workforce today, and the number of touch points that they have with technology. Um, I think about technology being able to accomplish much of that work uh, itself so that we can then utilize uh, our, our people to be more patient facing. So with the autonomous pharmacy, it incorporates technology in a way that operates at the top of its functional capability so that humans can then also operate at the top of our functional capability, um, you know, elbow to elbow, hip to hip with patients and, and with other healthcare team members, um, really being patient facing. When our pharmacists and uh, providers are free from having to do a lot of those manual tasks that are required to operate our disparate and inefficient technology systems today, they can then also be reallocated to uh, to focus on zero error patient care, which you know Jim had talked about from the IOM report previously, and we really like to move the needle there and uh, be able to have our, uh, our our people working in that regard, as well as on improving clinical outcomes. So one important component of, of the autonomous pharmacy vision is harnessing the power of data analytics. And we can do that in a way that allows us to improve our performance and our outcomes. And so one example of that for us could be uh, rather than deploying uh, some of our pharmacists into uh, teams and asking that the same service be provided to all patients across the board, that we could utilize data analytics uh, to help us identify which patients may need a more robust intervention or touch point and, which, and when those touch points might be needed to the greatest extent, because we'd be able to utilize outcomes data to inform that. And by doing so would allow us to have the greatest impact on the individualized needs of our patients. And all of that happening uh, with, with the confidence and knowledge that our distribution and production processes are happening seamlessly and reliably so that we don't have to worry about, will the patient have uh, the medication that they need, that would happen um, because technology is op operating at the, the top of its function, so to speak. So all of those elements for me roll into defining the autonomous pharmacy. And that really is a wonderful, attractive picture of a future state. And so I wanted to follow up by asking you, what kinds of nuts and bolts things are required to enable that? What does it entail to, to move toward that uh, inspiring vision? The autonomous pharmacy uh, 
while it's one vision, it actually has multiple layers incorporated with it. So I just want to spend a couple minutes uh, just sharing those layers. So first, there's a cloud data platform, and that's important to create integration and allow us to have advanced analytics. There's also an element of um, automating our workflows, and that's important because it allows us to minimize our reliance on human touch points and interactions and allows us to reduce repetitive tasks. And then the third element of the autonomous pharmacy is the extensive use of data intelligence. And all of these are important because having automation is important, but uh, automation alone is not going to be enough. We need to be able to leverage data from our automated systems in a way that delivers real-time, actionable, intelligent insights. And so with the autonomous pharmacy, we have a goal and our goal is to be able to move pharmacists and other clinicians to the center of patient care where they can practice at the top of their license. So all of this comprehensively, we believe, will, um, will, be, will show the benefits of the autonomous pharmacy. And, and we'll see those benefits in many different ways. And some of those can include improving value-based care and supporting population health models. Uh, we think we'll also see benefits in improving safety and preventing medication errors. We know that we'll have pickups with efficiency and reducing redundancy. Um, from a, an overall cost perspective, we believe we'll be able to reduce operating costs. And then we know pharmacy and medication management is an extremely highly regulated area. And so we believe we'll be able to improve regulatory compliance through the realization of the autonomous pharmacy vision. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for that. Jim, we've talked about or just mentioned the Autonomous Pharmacy Advisory Board. Uh, could you provide um, some color about that group, some background information? Sure, that's a group that uh, Omnicell helped support and pull together um, almost two years ago. Um, and Jen, uh, who's with us today, um, has been chairing that group uh, since the beginning of its formation. Um, and this is a board that initially was made up primarily of health system pharmacy leaders, um, chief pharmacy officers, directors of pharmacy, uh, some informaticists, um, and, um, and they've been helping us really think through this vision of the autonomous pharmacy, as well as doing some other activities uh, that I'll describe in a moment that uh, have been designed to, help to make this vision a reality. Um, Recently, we um, as a group decided that this really shouldn't just be about pharmacy. So we've, we've actually added a, a chief nursing officer to the group to make sure that we also incorporate the nursing perspective because they are so integral uh, in the medication use process. And if, if any of the listeners want to learn more about the autonomous pharmacy vision, there is a website, autonomouspharmacy.com that individuals can go to to learn more about the organization. You can see who the uh, actual board members are. You can look, download white paper and other uh, materials that uh, the group is, is producing over time. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a group that's been working very hard. The group is very motivated uh, and has bought in to this entire vision. And I, you know, I've been so impressed with how they've been working hard um, to really make this a reality. 
Um, and, you know, building on some of the things Jen discussed, the, the board identified some things early on that were going to be foundational or critical to really achieving this, this vision. And one of the, one of the principles is that we need to have a high level of digital visibility to medications uh, within the health system across all sites of care. Um, and sometimes we, we refer to this as moving to a state where every dose of a medication is like a node on a network. Only when, when we get that digital visibility will we really, do we feel we will really be able to manage uh, at the level that we need to um, uh, within our system. And, and the goal of that digital visibility is to really understand everything about every dose of the medication that's needed to achieve the optimiza optimization of use. So, you know, this includes when and where the dose was manufactured, when it will expire, what the lot number is, where it's been, where it's going, who it's going to be used uh, in. Um, information about adverse drug reactions or pharmacogenetic information, um, all kinds of information about every step of the way from the use of that product from when it enters uh, a health system until it's uh, given to a patient and then actually beyond that uh, in, into the monitoring phase. Um, so that's a, that's a very important principle that the board has been, uh, has been working on. Wow. So early in our conversation here, Jim, you shared all these stresses and pressures that are on health system pharmacy leaders. And how would you advise a health system leader, pharmacy leader under stress to move, start moving toward the autonomous pharmacy? How could they uh, get on the, on the journey there toward that? Yeah, that's a great question. And actually that was, I think, a big part of the first meeting of our Autonomous Pharmacy Advisory Board is how do we take this vision and, and really make something happen? Because as Jen mentioned earlier, some of the data about what pharmacists do today isn't too different from what it was maybe five years ago. And Jen and the other members wisely said, you know, if we're going to make this a reality, we've got to create some structure to this. And so the board early on said, we need to create what we'll call the autonomous pharmacy framework. And this would be a framework similar to maybe what HIMS developed called MRAM, which was for EMR um, uh, adoption within health systems, or what the, um, the autonomous vehicle industry is doing to, to track the development of self-driving vehicles and that sort of thing. But the group felt that we needed a, a framework, a similar framework to be able to provide some structure around the autonomous pharmacy vision. And we created a framework. The group created a framework that consisted of five key component areas. And that's your IT technology, um, the automation tools that uh, you have in place, uh, actually the way your enterprise is structured and organized because uh, there's, there's a big difference between using your technology to uh, manage at an individual location level versus being able to manage over an entire enterprise. Um, I've talked earlier about the emphasis on data and data intelligence and advancing that. And then the fifth core area we call human activity, 
which really gets to uh, trying to take the human performance aspect out of a lot of the processes and also improving the clinical outcomes for the patients. And so um, that framework, I think, has been one of the other big um, pieces that the advisory board has developed that I think is going to be very helpful to health systems as they try to measure where they are today. They'll be able to measure their improvement over time. And, you know, we'll try to uh, work on some other things to provide additional value and assistance to health systems that are trying to advance in this area. I just want to add a couple things onto Jim's points here and uh, specifically related to the framework. When we developed the, the framework for the autonomous pharmacy, we did this uh, simil in a similar fashion to what you uh, see with the autonomous vehicle, where this, there's this multi-level framework or a stepwise incremental approach to getting from you know, where the systems are at today to fully realizing the autonomous pharmacy. So it's not an on-off switch, but an incremental process that that um, has pickups and benefits along the way. And so the levels of that framework uh, range from the, the non-autonomous pharmacy to the fully autonomous pharmacy and, and several layers in between. The non-autonomous pharmacy is essentially what we uh, see in many systems today where we operate uh, working on off of reports that have historical information that is often data, and then we try to analyze that data. Uh, and the data is often information that we have access to, maybe not what we'd like to have access to, but what we can get at the time. And so, you know, that data is historical and, and sometimes a little bit data uh, dated, and we try to apply that to the problems of today and the problems of tomorrow. And so we think that as we move towards the autonomous pharmacy, we'll be able to get more real-time and actionable information as opposed to that historical perspective. And we need that in order to make the best decisions. On the other hand, when you move towards the, uh, to realizing the fully autonomous pharmacy, at that point, we have truly assistive systems uh, computer systems and automation and artificial intelligence uh, performing work that requires people to do it today. And we know technology can do it. It's just not at that point yet. And so it's fully integrated, fully interoperable. And it's at that point that we would be able to utilize our people as intended to be more patient-facing and, and to be working alongside patients to deliver better outcomes. So, Jim, what are some of the more practical takeaways for today's health system pharmacy leaders of this? Well, Ken, I think that the, you know, the key thing, if, if there's pharmacy leaders that are interested in uh, this vision and the, the framework, uh, the first thing would be to uh, go to the website and start learning a little bit about uh, the framework that's been developed. Um, and I'll mention that we also, the group has also uh, uh, written a manuscript that's been accepted for publication with uh, by AJHP that'll be coming out uh, sometime soon that will describe in more detail the development of this framework and how we think it can be used. And I would say over the next, uh, what the board is working on right now is actually a assessment tool that health systems will be able to use to be able to um, to measure where they are 
in a variety of different areas in the medication use process uh, on that five-stage framework and give you an overall score. And you can use that for a number of different purposes, obviously. And um, in that manuscript we have coming out, it'll, it'll talk about those, but I'll just mention uh, four key areas of how we think that framework can be used by health system pharmacy leaders. Um, first, it can be used in the, the strategic planning uh, process. It, it'll allow health system leaders to assess the current status of their medication use process to benchmark with other similar organizations. And then when you repeat this over time, you will be able to measure your progress and your advancement uh, towards that level five fully autonomous pharmacy. Um, secondly, I think we feel that by developing a more standard approach, um, this will actually shape policy. Similar to how the MRAM model was used with EMR um, adoption, um, we think that by creating this framework and structure, it will actually help inform new professional policy and, and standards of practice. And we hope that we can work with stakeholders uh, who are out there to create incentives for adoption of technology that we know can improve outcomes. Um, thirdly, I think that the, the framework is going to help with the development of consensus standards. Uh, and and then by standards here, I'm talking about standards within the IT world that'll help support integration of systems and increase that level of interoperability. And finally, I think by having a more industry-wide vision of where we're trying to go that will really enable health IT vendors to understand the needs of the, the, the pharmacy industry in general. And that should motivate them to develop solutions that will drive some of the key outcomes that we're looking for. Those are all solid practical takeaways. And so thanks for sharing those. And in the spirit of being practical, we have to talk about COVID. And so, Jan, I wanted to ask you, um, let's talk about COVID's impact on pharmacy. What have we learned and how might the autonomous pharmacy mitigate the impact or impacts of COVID? What a timely question that is, for sure. Um, our response to COVID, I think, across all organizations, it, it requires full visibility into our drug inventory at a minimum. Um, especially for those medications that are in short supply or might become in short supply. We need to know where those medications are and what quantity, and then we need to know when the levers and triggers are being met so that we can progress into second or third line therapies or alternative therapies. And so um, we need information to be able to inform what those utilization patterns are um, especially as we might turn into times of surge and be able to use data in a way that forecasts outside of our current state, um, as opposed to using, again, some of that historical data to predict what the future might be and try to problem solve for the future. I think uh, another point to this is having visibility into high risk and high demand patient care areas and to know uh, where, where our team is most needed and how they can be used. So during surges or if there were to be significant work, workforce shortages, for example, that were associated with the pandemic, we could deploy our pharmacists and our technicians to area of greatest need if we know what those areas are. So between the inventory visibility and the real-time data and freeing up our 
human resources to be more patient-facing. These are all aspects of the autonomous pharmacy that can help with mitigating the impact of COVID. I also want to mention that um, some of the silver linings that, that we've realized throughout the um, COVID pandemic is that we've had the opportunity to explore some new platforms, either in an expeditious timeline, expedited timeline, or things that we may not have had the opportunity to explore um, in, in recent months. So things like telehealth or new delivery mechanisms like drone delivery. And, and what's great with uh, these types of models uh, and, and having the data to understand them and to understand the impact of them is that we could measure how these models perform with regard to the impact on patient care. And for those areas that work well, where we're able to uh, continue to provide new access points for patients and deliver on patient outcomes, those would be areas that we'd be able to proliferate um, and maybe even have those models be in existence, you know, be part of our, our um, fabric in non-pandemic timeframes. So, for example, we've utilized more telehealth as a platform, and we've been able uh, to show at a high level that, that we can still provide services to our patients and meet patient needs, even in non-pandemic timeframes, we think those models will, will um, be sustainable. But that data is not comprehensive and it can certainly be improved upon. As well as for those areas that don't work, then we can stop investing in those and use those resources elsewhere. And so I think just having visibility into that data to know where the investments make a difference for patient care so that we can proliferate those models and where they don't so that we can stop investing are, are other ways that we can utilize the autonomous pharmacy to mitigate uh, some of the impact of COVID and, and maybe um, even expand some of the platforms for how we provide care in the future. Well, that's a great example of adaptive learning in response to the coronavirus pandemic. And as we've mentioned earlier, you, Jen, are the chair of the Autonomous Pharmacy Advisory Board. So wanted to ask you, um, what's next for this uh, Autonomous Pharmacy Advisory Board? I get excited when we get to talk about the next steps because there's a lot going on. And, you know, Jim had mentioned that this is a really active group of high-performing leaders. And so we have, as you can imagine, we have a number of projects that the board is working on. Uh, we're working on an assessment tool for organizations to know where they uh, where they fall on that framework that I had talked about, so they can see where their current status is, and then know what may, what the next steps are in their uh, roadmap toward the autonomous pharmacy, and be able to uh, identify what the benefit and and improvements could be as a result of taking that next step. We're also working on a project to quantify the degree of uh, digital visibility of medication inventory. And digital visibility, we know, is fundamental to identifying and then understanding some of the gaps that need to be addressed in order to enable um, the types of data intelligence and analytics uh, that's needed. And these are large quantities of medications that we need that visibility into, as well as large expense. And then they have um, compounding factors like drug shortages and, and just supply types of, of challenges. And so I think that will be extremely helpful. The advisory board is also working on the development of key performance metrics. And we, we've had a lot of discussions and have recognized 
that we really lack consistent standards and processes throughout health system pharmacy for internal and external benchmarks. And so we're, we're excited to develop some key performance metrics that can be consistent uh, across the industry. And we know that with the standard processes and the associated metrics, uh, that, that this will allow us to uh, move forward with assessing our performance and our opportunities for improvement that are so necessary in our systems today. Wow. Well, that advisory board is quite busy <laughs> and will be busy for a long time. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I want to thank our expert guest, Jennifer Tryon, Chief Pharmacy Officer for Wake Forest Baptist Health and Chair of the Autonomous Pharmacy Advisory Board, and Jim Stevenson, Vice President of Medication System Strategy for OmniCell. As a reminder, you can learn more about the Autonomous Pharmacy by logging on to autonomouspharmacy.com and also omnicell.com. We appreciate you joining us today. For the Future of Pharmacy podcast and for OmniCell, I'm Ken Perez. Thanks for listening. This has been the Future of Pharmacy podcast, featuring the innovators transforming medication management. Until next time, don't get stuck in the clouds. The Future of Pharmacy podcast is brought to you by OmniCell. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.